Welcome back to Behind the Screens. I'm Ryan Preventure. I'm Simon Burton. And I'm Matthew Liebman. Hey, big news today. We had Cedric the Entertainer and Wilma Valderrama, the two A-listers at the podium reading out the Golden Globes. You guys are, are in the right market. Did you get up at 5 a.m. and watch? No. Uh, I did not, but I did look at it the second I was awake. I will yeah. say that. Thoughts? You know, uh, Barbenheimer is coming through, right? Those are the, those are the two big ones. We got 17 nominations from the two of them. That's not too shabby. And, you know, the Golden Globes really does look at a, a, a little bit, I think, of a wider audience than the Oscars has over the last couple of years. So it's nice to see some of these big blockbuster movies do do uh, do well in the nominations for it. Yeah, look, and, and say what you will about the, the credibility of the Golden Globes, at least historically, but you've got those two titles. You've got Killers of the Flower Moon. You've got Maestro with Bradley Cooper. Air. So there's a real mix of, of blockbusters in there as well as specialized, genuine specialized like past lives, the holdovers and poor things. You know, if, if the, the stars show up, you're going to have an audience with Bradley Cooper, Leonardo DiCaprio, Margot Robbie, Emma Stone, um, all the way to Timothy Chalamet, Matt Damon, Ryan Gosling and others. So if that then distills into the Oscars list um, as they narrow down the musical and comedy category and the drama categories into one, Hopefully that'll be an action-packed Oscars, which will create some hype for the industry and get some of that flywheel going. Um, I think that's really the only reason to, to lean into these awards. Uh, Simon, you're back in, in LA. You were in uh, Bangkok for Cine Asia. Uh, what were the highlights up there? Yeah, I am back. Still, uh, still pretty knocked out. It's quite a trip back to LA from, from Thailand. Um, but yeah, got back over the weekend. It was um, it was a good convention. All the, the studio product reels looked looked really strong. Uh, I think that the industry sentiment is for a, still a pretty pretty flat or soft twenty twenty four with all of the the date changes pushing back. But the content we do have next year looks looks incredible. Um, there was a really strong focus on the Indian box office. Uh, I think that's one which the, the estimates are that it will pop up next year in twenty twenty four, driven by some some huge local productions there um i had the uh, the privilege of of sharing vista's one view app with the, the audience there prior to the paramount pictures presentation which was extremely well received so i can't wait to get that in the hands of all of our apac uh exhibitors and uh yeah it was a, it was a good week that's great so why don't we turn our attention to the box office your, your comment about bollywood and uh, the indian market looking strong kind of lends itself a little to what we're seeing this week in the domestic box office where two Japanese titles have cracked the top three. And I kind of wonder in a, in a market where domestic titles have shifted, whether we're going to see more of these internationals and RRR help pave the way as, as well as some of the other Bollywood titles in the past year or so, maybe they take an even bigger step up going forward. So um, we'll get to those Japanese titles in the domestic market in a second. But do you want to touch on the number one global film um, of the, the week? before we dive into the domestic, because uh, Wonka didn't open domestically. It's a, it's a few days away from hitting the screens there. Yeah, but Wonka now has released in 37 territories internationally uh, this past weekend, grossing a total of $43.2 million. It was number one in 32 of those 37 territories. The highest grossing international market was the UK, taking $11.1 million. Mexico in second position with $5.2 million and Spain in third position, taking $4.4 million. And this weekend, there's another 40 international territories adding to that 37. 
Yeah, look, I, I was lucky enough to see it twice now, once at the movie convention, uh, once with a preview audience here. I liked it a lot the first time. I liked it more the second time. Hopefully it finds its, its place in the market, opens big. But I think the word of mouth, regardless, is going to be really positive. It's charming. It's one of the few family films that's not animated over the season. Uh, but it kind of, you know, even more so than the Johnny Depp remake a few years ago, connects with that original film. So hopefully we see some multi-generational audiences coming along as well. So why don't we turn our attention now to the domestic market? The number one uh, title in the market was a new release. It was Miyazaki's The Boy and the Heron uh, from G-Kids. Uh, can you kick us off with the numbers there, Simon? Correct, Matthew. The Boy and the Heron, domestic total this weekend of $13 million from 2,200 screens, uh, another $2.5 million internationally, bringing its worldwide cume to $87.3 million. $56 million of that coming from Japan, where it opened back in July. And then, uh, Ryan, who's the audience? Because um, to, to get this sort of grosses, I'm assuming it's a little different from some of the more traditional uh, Japanese titles that have hit the domestic market. Yeah, it's very, it's, it's very specific for anime and a very specific kind of anime. So you're not necessarily seeing Dragon Ball Z or some of the other ones in here. Suzume was the first one for the comps. Howl's Moon Cat, Moving Castle, Weathering with You. Godzilla Minus One did come in there, the, the one title that has come out uh, recently. Belle the Dragon and the Freckled Princess, Spirited Away live on stage. Jujutsu Kaisen and Spirited Away. So very much similar audiences as far as the films go. What we did see is when we compared it to Suzume, there is a real connection because that came out in 2022. So we're not looking too far in a distance in terms of the way, uh, as far as time goes for audiences. But the uh, the frequency and the age ranges are very similar for a lot of these. So Zume will be the second film and The Boy and the Heron will be the first one when we do these particular comparisons. So we did see as far as frequency goes that there is a lot of similarity here. And which really kind of explains with the, the the way people behave for certain kind of films, anime films in specific here. The first film is going to be The Boy and the Heron. When we do the comparisons, Suzume is going to be the second. For infrequent moviegoers, it was 34 to 35%. Very, very close there. Occasionals, again, 32 to 33. Frequent moviegoers, 28 to 26 and very frequent, 5% to 6%. So what, what you're seeing here is with only a year difference in release dates, the frequency is very, very, very similar, as is what you're going to see with the age ranges. From 2 to 11, only 3% for The Boy and the Heron compared to 2% for Suzume. 12 to 17, 3 to 7%, so a little bit of a difference there for that sort of teenager range. 18 to 24, 22 to 29%. 30, 25 to 34, 41 to 38%, 35 to 44, 15 to 11%, 45 to 54, 8% for The Boy and the Heron to 7% for Suzume, and 55 to 64, 4% across the board, 65, 2% across the board. So what you're seeing here is the 25 to 34-year-old range was going to be more male-skewed and uh, tends to be the, the highest for both of these films. So 
when when you're marketing for your second weekends, that might be something to sort of consider is do we want to, that was the one that came out the most. Do we want to hit that sweet spot again? Or do we want to try to get into the 18 to 24, which was 22% of the audience? Still a reasonable amount coming in there. Do we try to want to want to want to hit that one for a second weekend? Um, I think there's, there's some real potential for uh, people to come out and possibly I've talked to some people who want to see this for a, a second time. They enjoyed it so much. So with really strong cinema score and a good opening. This could have a nice holdover into the, into the Christmas and holiday season. And you're right with that cinema score. It sits there at A minus um, from a reviewer's perspective, 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, 90% for the audiences. So both very, very high. And of course it'll get to ride in on a golden globe uh, nomination, which is Miyazaki's first ever. Uh, it's got a couple of other firsts as well. It's the highest grossing film Miyazaki's had in the domestic box office. It exceeded that after its opening Friday. So his previous high score, uh, The Wind Rises, was 5.2 mil lifetime. This one had grossed 5.6 mil by Friday alone. Um, and it's the first original anime title to top the domestic market in, in box office. So there's a lot of hype that they can do in terms of, of the in-season marketing around this to get that audience you were talking about. Sam, can you do a whip around for the other titles that, that cracked the top five this last weekend? I, I can, Matt. Let's do a quick whip around the grounds. Um, let's take a good look at the domestic box office this past weekend in second position with another strong hold, The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, taking another $9.4 million, only dropping 33%, bringing its cum domestically to 136 million dollars and it's worldwide cumed to 265 million dollars in third position at the domestic box office godzilla minus one taking 8.3 million a drop of only 27 percent from its opening weekend it did increase its number of screens by 230 bringing its gross to 25 million dollars trolls band together in fourth position 6.2 million dollars a drop of only 20 percent uh, and Wish rounding out the top five with $5.3 million, dropping only 31% from the previous weekend. Yeah, it's, um, it, it's a rough trot for the November releases for Disney. This will be the third November in a row after Encanto and 21 and Strange World last year, where their animated originals haven't crossed that, that $100 million mark. Uh, so the, I guess the hits keep on coming on that front. Um, but interesting that, um, again, you look at Godzilla Minus One, another of the Japanese titles to hit the box office this week, top grossing Japanese live action title of all time. Um, so we are seeing those those international titles uh, starting to hit the box office with some success. I wonder if there's anything to, to um, do with Netflix and the way they've been pushing international titles that are priming audiences to seek out non-English language, non-domestic titles in, in the cinema. Um, whatever the driver is, long may it last, especially next year with, with some of those date changes. And there were just a couple of other titles uh, that had some, some noticeable levels. You had Napoleon crossing 50 mil in the domestic market. It now sits at about $53 million. And poor things, Emma Stone's title opened on nine screens. It's grossed 644000 from those, which gives a really strong average of $71,600 per screen, the strongest per screen of the fall so far. And it's really been boosted by some strong buzz, but in particular, a bunch of Golden Globe nominations. And no doubt it's lining itself up for a bunch of Oscar ones as well. 
Jens, the only other thing I think we should talk to here is that uh, just overnight, IMAX has reported that it's passed the billion dollar mark in box office globally in 2023. This is the third time it's ever done that. It did it in the two years leading into the pandemic, being 2018 and 19, but did so with far fewer blockbusters in market. So, for example, when it exceeded a bill back in 2019, there were nine films in total that grossed a billion dollars each in the global box office versus only two in the the year we're currently in, in 2023. I think it does show that that whole premiumization and appointment viewing of cinema is finding um, real uh, entrenched legs and will probably continue going forward. But great to see the the success of IMAX and Big Picture. So that's it for this week. Uh, Ryan, did you want to give a bit of a, an update on what we can look forward to at the box office next week and what we might be able to look forward to on the pod next week? Yeah, we've got Wonka going wide in the United States. So hopefully that's going to excite a lot of families to come out. And then we have American Fiction, which was nominated for a couple of Golden Globes, coming out a little more limited this coming weekend as well. So a little something for everybody. And then our our last episode of the year is going to be next week. And we're going to do a, a, a year in review and some predictions for 2024. Yeah, get your favorite films of the year ready. Maybe even your worst one. I think I saw mine last week. Uh, I'm going to keep it to myself for now. Maybe forever. But until next week, boys, thank you for joining us. And we'll catch you behind the screens. Movio and Numero are two of the businesses within the Vista Group, the world-leading provider of technology solutions to the global film industry. For more moviegoer insights, be sure to visit movio.co and follow Movio, Numero, and Vista Group on Twitter and LinkedIn. The Behind the Screens podcast is produced by Grace Furness and edited by Patrick Hanna.